When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome once again to the Leads That Podcast. I'm Paul and I am joined by James. Hello. And Rocco. Hello. Right, so just to give a bit of context, it's Tuesday and we are 48 plus hours removed from the home game against Brighton. Nerves are high, jangling. I can hear them jangling, but depending on when you hear this, they may be jangling more or they may be somewhat slightly settled, and we're going to get into all of that as soon as possible. One of the reasons we're not recorded till now is because Rocco's an international jet setter. Tell us where you are promoting your latest book. <laughs> yes, I am in Dubai for my latest book signing. Um, League One Leeds has gone international. Um, so, yeah, here I am in the in the Khalifa, right at the very top, um, looking out upon Dubai. It's quite sensational. I am gullible, so are you actually in the Khalifa looking out across Dubai? Uh, I mean, I've used some artistic license there. I am in Dubai. I, I like amazing. I like your Yorkshire pronunciation of Dubai. <laughs> it's like Dewsbury. <laughs> yeah. Dubai. Well, so well, let's start with this. How are you both feeling? Shattered. <laughs> happy, happy and positive. So I, I came up with a, a list of five things, didn't I, the other night? of reasons to be positive and I think we're in a better place than we were then. Yeah. I think some of those things were, well, if I went through them, one of them I said was we can't play that bad again. And we didn't, to be fair, we said that we didn't have the same uh, difficulty of fixtures with all due respect to the opponents coming up and we, and we didn't and don't. And then looking at other teams fixtures, they've both gone and lost. So We've 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 advanced our situation somewhat. You also previously said that we just had to do better than Burnley once, and we have. Exactly. I said. I, I also said that we didn't have to score again, and we've managed to do that. So we're doing better than I set out as a standard. <laughs> we didn't hit. We didn't hit the back of the net, but we have scored. Yeah. <laughs> it, did, it did cross the line. <laughs> so yeah, well, let's talk about the game in and amongst itself. How much did it kind of represent our season? Lots of things have just represented our season, but when Gelhart smashed it against Cooper's face in the first minute, what did you think at that moment in time? It's crazy because um, the amount of times our players have cleared the ball off the line to stop goals in the last few seasons is nuts. And I, I can't think of it ever happening previously, but it's happened six times, I think. Tyler Roberts did it, didn't he? 
Bamford. Yeah, Bamford's done yeah. too. Uh, Harrison, I'm, I'm yeah. sure he's won. Yeah, he has, yeah. It's, uh, and also uh, Roof, uh, Wigan away, stopped yes. Shackleton's first ever goal. Absolutely crazy, isn't it? We could, probably could have made it to Europe last season. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, we'd have got promoted in the first season of Bills, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'd probably be European champions by now. I was furious with Lorente around that defending. It was diabolical, wasn't it? He went, yes. he went all, he went all jelly legged, didn't he? It's like it, it, he felt like he was tracking uh, Welbeck really well. Who is a good player? Like he scored a good goal against us previously, and yeah, and, and I fancied him catching up to him, getting the ball, and he was doing really well, and then. He just lost it, didn't he? It was weird. And he was mad at himself. And I think I saw a few people just saying, like, like Lorente is not good enough to play for us and just being quite harsh. And I think you have to remember last season, he did a good job for us. And he's not the only one who's not been, you know, perfect this year. So it's hard to put the blame on, on one person or one thing, really. I think it was one of those occasions where the defense is he's concentrated too much on Welbeck. Like, if, if, if he'd have just been gunning to play the ball, he'd have, he'd have probably just played it and cleared it. But, you know, he was almost too concentrated on out-muscling Welbeck and and not clearing it. And, yeah, it looked, it looked terrible in the end, didn't it? Um, it's like, like classic children's coaching where they say, keep your eye on the ball. Mm, yeah. At half-time, I asked the people around me, because that's what I did, just ask people questions. Uh, what do we need to change for this to be a successful outcome in the second half? And uh, one of them said, nothing we just need the things that we've been doing to work better is that fair or or do you think the th- there were things that we could have changed did we change anything i don't know if we did i mean you know i was i was pretty satisfied with what marsh did with the team he picked um the tactics seemed to be pretty much you know the players in their best positions even i thought phillips was deeper so rafinha was wider was Rafinha was definitely why I think it, there was a maybe he went into deep negotiations with the players because Harrison was definitely still inverted so maybe that's yeah, I know. On, so, on that. so if you draw that formation it's like it's a sort of lopsided like you've got a nose sticking out of the profile <laughs> of a person Ugh. yeah I don't know what I, I think probably what changed and it might be being harsh but was Brighton stopped trying to score and just started trying to waste time which we've seen at Ellen Road loads of times teams have you know once they get in the lead they just stop doing what they're doing that's working and, and just try and start cheating and and invariably they get punished for it and thank god they did but yeah it was it, it was a lot better you know it was it was a good second half you can't really say otherwise um fair play to them James do you think that we should have won. Do you think we had good enough chances to win that game or was a draw a fair result? When we came out, I thought draw was probably a fair result um, just because I was happy that we got a point and and the fact that it went from toxic as hell to, <laughs> you know, ecstasy in the space of seconds as these things do do turn. But I watched the highlights late, later on and it was then made me feel so disappointed that we didn't, <laughs> didn't come out with a win, to be honest, because... Looking back on it, we we were probably the better side, had the better chances. It's one of them where glad we got something out of it, but we sh- it should have been three points, and we would have felt even better talking now and going into the weekend. But you know, it is what it is. Bang on eighty three minutes was when the uh, Bielsa chance and the sack the board and the Radzani, this is your fault chance died, and um, when click went off, wasn't it? Yeah, and Andy said this is toxic and that's the word 
that you've heard, like everyone has, you've used it then, just the word that people are using it. Did you feel that at the time? I didn't think it. I didn't think it was toxic, actually. To be honest, um, I mean, I've known Ellen Road to be toxic, and I think Villa was probably toxic. But I honestly didn't really feel like it was. I think the the fans just. It was our last chance to let the board know that we were pissed off with them. I mean, to me, unless I'm mistaken, you know, remembering wrong, it sort of went on for two minutes and then, you know, it was forgotten. It was back to back to roaring the players on. I, I didn't feel it was toxic. I, what, what do you think? Am I am I being unfair? I think I, I, it, it really annoyed me because there was. I thought there was going to be more extra time than there was. So I was like, there's still 15 minutes here or so for us to be give like we want them to leave nothing on the field. We've got to leave nothing in the stands. This is our only opportunity. It's it was as I said last week. It it was it's like the playoffs of some sorts. And we had to give everything we'd got. So I was just shouting about like positive chance and trying to get people. And, you know, you don't have a huge amount of influence, but it's it felt wrong to me. It didn't feel like the right time for that to happen. But I understand the feeling and the emotion because we've all got this pent up thing that will pour out at some point and maybe people felt that that was going to be their only time to vent it because the vast majority of people aren't going to Brentford and uh, unless there's some kind of, I won't put it past there being some kind of mass nasty gathering on Sunday night at Ellen Road. <laughs> if, uh, if, it goes, if it goes well on Sunday, I think people are already rumbling around having a bit of a... Uh, redo of the promotion because it, it comes down to that on Sunday it's promotion or relegation it's yeah. we're up or down and it's, it's a, it is a playoff final however these other games go but yeah I, I just felt that it was ill-timed for me yeah I did join in um, and part of me felt a bit guilty good <laughs> but I just, I, you know, well, when the the Elsa song goes up, I, you know, I can't not join in. It, yeah, it is a funny one. It is a funny one. What about you, James? Did you join in? Of course, you I did. Of course, I did. Of course, I did. I love Mars. I'd love Marcelo Bielsa. You can't, you can't not sing his name. I sang it at the Leicester game away as well because that's how I felt. And and in that moment, it did feel like we were completely lost, and it felt like everything that we've cheered on over the last few years had had completely disappeared, you know. And I think that's why it, why it all came out. But, you know, like Leeds United do in the weirdest, darkest moments, something happens, doesn't it? And, you know, who's to say that the fans cheering in that way didn't spur them on even more? You know, it's, it's the same, the whole thing with Chris Wood back in the day, I always remember where he absolutely hated the fans for lambasting him for being essentially shit because he was <laughs> and and then all of a sudden he turned into an, an absolute world beater and it's because he had the the frustration vented at him that he then turned into something positive so you know maybe there's a bit of that i think bamford so i think a few players have, have done that yeah kind exactly of thing as yeah well. and and the, the good ones don't disappear into their shell they come out and better themselves really mm. so uh, around, I reckon around 88 minutes, 89 minutes. I have a tradition because it, it invert, I know the answer, but it's a little routine I like to go through. So I turned to Matthew and said, would you take a draw? And I know what his answer is, but he said, no. 
because uh, at that point I was desperate for a for a draw. It was like there's still time for two goals, and uh, the majority of times when I ask him that, he's completely wrong. But the there may have been time for two goals, to be fair, and uh, the the players got lost in the moment a little bit when we scored and maybe ate up a few too many seconds when, <laughs> when there were quite a few people could get back to the halfway line. That was uh, Rodrigo's most meaningful contribution to the game. Actually, that ball he put in for uh, Rafinha was was very tasty. That's what he's got. That's the most frustrating thing about Rodrigo is that he can fail to pick a sensible pass and the first half was as bad as it ever gets and then he plays that ball. I was having a bit of a rant uh, no one was listening to me as usual, but um, I don't know how this happens, but it happened under Bielsa as well. But when Rodrigo loses the ball, everything goes absolute tits up. And then we look under like the most pressure ever. And like, we're always going to concede. And he did it a couple of times in that game. And he has done in recent ones. But I, what, I don't know what is wrong with the setup of it <laughs> because I don't think it's him individually, but we just look massively open when he loses the ball. And I don't know whether it's something that teams prey on as well, but that pass was just absolutely awesome. It was unreal. And again, that was one of those things where Rafinha had scored it. It would have been a different game altogether as well. So we were just unlucky. I think people who doubt the player's commitment or a, like a, a, even ability... I just don't see it as being helpful. All these players, where Autumn may have failed, really is, and it's the hardest bit to get right, is getting that character and knowing that, as well as the talent and fitting into Bielsa's system of the time, they need a certain character and temperament that's going to be able to get them through with the... It's our fault. It's our expectations. It's the unique nature of, of, of our specific crowd. And so many players have not have not made it at Leeds and have been brilliant elsewhere but I think I, so I don't think the right criticism is that they're not good enough it's that they aren't the right fit for us at that point in time which at the moment unless we become the right fit for Rodrigo he's not I don't know how long you would give him to become the right fit for us yeah it's a funny one um, when he signed you know I looked at his record and and you know, people were saying we've signed Spain's number nine and I never bought it and, you know, his goals ratio was poor. But then, you know, he's reached Europa League finals, he's played for Spain, he's played in the Champions League, he's played for Valencia all those years. I can't I, I, I can't get my head around it, you know, why why he's so inconsistent, you know. I mean, is it even a mentality thing? Like, because he, he can do it some days. And, you know, I, I think he's all, he, I don't think he hides. I think people, some people have said that he hides. I, I never think he does. I just don't know. Uh, honestly, he's, he's... I think he's, some of the passes are an overconfidence thing rather than an underconfidence possibly. thing. Because mm-hmm. they look like, they're, they're all nice flicks that go to sh- not very good. <laughs> so, anyway, we're, we're on to the good bit of the game now. So, um, I don't think I have the words to describe Joe Gellhart's uh, skill in that moment anyone care to have a go at it if it wasn't for Diego Lorente's ball out to him none of that would have happened would it (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big Lorente fan I just think I just was gutted in that moment that he failed to clear it I think I said to Matthew how has he not done that he went he had five chances to get it right and missed every one of them, and then he scored. But we're on the good bit now, so <laughs> Gelhart has got Gel- the ball. Gelhart's bit of skill was 
fantastic. Uh, you, you know, like it's the sort of thing that you would love to try at five aside, and but you would never try in front of thirty six thousand people <laughs> in the ninety second minute of a very important game. Uh, and I think uh, one of our friends said it that he has uh, balls of steel that kid to to do that, and even the final pass across as well. Because there's there's an element of where you could easily sort of square it back to a defender as well, but he just picked out the right man. Uh, it's yeah, phenomenal. It, it was all deliberate. It was mm. deliberate and perfectly executed through his mind's eye of exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah. That's the thing that not many people have said until you have, James. Like, the, the cross was brilliant. You know, he's it, off balance. He's using his laces. Like, that could be skewed off into the carpet. It could have gone anywhere, but the trajectory was perfect. It land, Like, he might not have been picking out strike, and I don't think he was, but if you're going to put a ball to the back post for someone to nod it in. It was, it was just absolutely perfect. And it, and the amazing thing, when you look back at it, all 11 Brighton players are in the box, like well back on the edge of the box. So that, that doesn't really count. But the other 10 players, he took out the game completely. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And if you watch the way he shifts it between his feet and their player is on the ground and flicks his leg up to try and and block it and he gets that ball with his outstretched unbalanced leg just precisely over the top of it the only place where you could pick out a player because yeah. he was probably the only player in a position to do anything and he found him perfectly it was you hope that that's a moment that is going to go down in in folklore because that could be enough I thought back to the Hayden Evans interview we did, which you should listen to, by the way, if you haven't. I'll give in it that, a go. <laughs> and in that, Hayden was sort of saying, you know, for every, uh, you know, for the, the longer amount of time that Joffe has on the field, the likelihood is that he's going to have more bad touches and he, and he will be, uh, you know, he will be pulled up on it by the crowd and that can sort of make or break play. And he, it, at times, did have a, a poor game where he was like giving the ball away, um, some, you know, bad passes, just do not like not doing the simple stuff. And there's a few people around me who were sort of getting on his back a bit. And I, but the thing with players of his quality and his ability are they come through at like the the moments where you like absolutely need them. And it's easy for you to say he's going to be a world class player. He's going to be like brilliant. But because of that one moment, and I think he will be if when he sorts the rest of his game out, or just have it by having more experience. But you can just see in those moments like he is going to be like special. And I don't want to, I want him to go. And as well, what I wanted to call this episode is Pascal's neck because uh, he was on the floor for about f- five minutes uh, holding his neck because he clattered with uh, their guy, didn't he? But um, his neck prevailed and uh, it was ultimately that that uh, nutted it in the goal. So good luck, Pascal. It was a good finish, to be fair. It was a tight, tight, uh, a tight space that he had to get it in. Clipped yeah. off the post when you slow it right down frame by frame. Brilliant, Heather. You've done it frame by frame, haven't you, Rocker? Of course I have, yeah, <laughs> time and time again. Oh, seven and a half hours to do by. <laughs> he doesn't always um, get it right with his head in the box, does he? So uh, that was brilliant. He knew he'd scored. I knew he'd scored. And there were a few bits of confusion, but like, no. From where from where I was sitting, it was, it was a good angle to see that it was well overlined. But I don't think I fully processed it. I was like, that's a goal. I said, what? <laughs> we, we like I'd already decided it wasn't going to happen, so it took a few moments for all the synapses to fire off and process it. Mm-hmm. But I was still faster than Mike Dean's watch. 
It's because you it's because you do look out for Mike Dean like pointing at his watch, doing the referee pointing at his watch, so the whole crowd knows. And so I was sort of celebrating, but still watching his hand. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing. I, was, I, I think I was I may have stood on something, a chair, and uh, while people were jumping and cuddling, and I was still going, "He's got to give it. He's got to give it. He's got to give it." <laughs> uh, yeah, I was never in doubt, funnily enough. I was surprised when I saw that it never even hit the net. It, like the thought never even entered my head that it, it wasn't a goal. But yeah, I guess I must have had that that view. Um it must take a few seconds for the signal to get to his watch. Uh but like Pascal just didn't even turn back round, did he? Like so it's like the referee could never deny it because their defenders had seen his reaction. Do you know what I mean? It's right. Yeah. yeah, but let's let's throw this well, because we're about to enter a world of discussing a ton of hypotheticals. Mm. Here's a hypothetical. What if it was Sheffield United Aston Villa and they'd forgotten to switch it on? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh Just, uh, well, that's it. The Lino didn't give it, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. So yeah. we could be living in that world where we had the biggest excuse ever and we'd be the angriest, nastiest bunch of miserable gits going. That'd be the reason we went down. No mm. other reason. Mm. Do you know what I found surprising? The uh, I've not seen it back yet. I thought it was handball when Gellhart crossed it in the next moment, but... Like Mike Dean being the you know fame hungry ref that he is, you'd have thought he'd just give that, wouldn't you? You know, he's got one game no. left in, in no. as if he didn't want to be the hero. He did a little tap at his ear, like, no, they'll tell me, they'll tell me if it was, they'll tell me. I don't have to make this decision, I don't think it was, and they could tell me if that was, yeah. no, throw, take the throw, take the throw. Like, oh, these Rafinha long throws are not working, despite the fact we've got people to flick it on. Oh, can you imagine? You don't, well, you'd have to imagine. Anyways, that's enough of that. So then you're walking out, you're getting back to the car or wherever, and you're thinking, right, Burnley have lost. Tell you what, that's another thing that really annoyed me. I was watching the game in the cop bar, the Burnley-Tottenham game, and it got to injury time. I was like, I think our game's going to start before this one finishes. And it got into the second minute of injury time, and they switched it off and stuck the Leeds tunnel on. And everyone was like, <laughs> It was horrible. Unbelievable timing. Ridiculous. <laughs> Angry to watch your own club. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was getting out there. I was What's going, this someone, shit? Got any, someone got any data? Someone could tell me it's finished. Tell me it's finished. Anyway, so that was that. Burnley have lost. And then watching the Everton game, that was a thing of beauty. And I don't care. Like, they look devastated. They look like they've been relegated. So I know the, that Everton are most likely safe because it requires the, a, a ridiculous run of permutations but I'm glad they had that moment of misery they needed to suffer a little bit there were kids crying on the telly good it's mad that I can't, like what's wrong with them they're playing Palace at home coming up like what are they crying about pathetic so well let's talk about Everton then uh, so well Everton Burnley the set of scenarios that's left James you've done a whole like Doctor Strange on it haven't you you've been interacting with someone on Twitter this has panned out this many times and only in so many scenarios <laughs> did it end up with Thanos defeated. <laughs> what what happened? I think the permutations are there's out, out of 244, 99 permutations are that we stay up 144 where we don't. I like and the previous ones. It's, it's got so much better since the last one. Well, um, this is it. Yeah, but the last but, one was 1919, wasn't it? We stayed up in... 1919 scenarios it was a sign yeah it was a sign that i missed because i just had a pop at james for saying that they're not all equally they're not all the same thing are they there are that many scenarios but then all those scenarios are not equal 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, in a certain number of those, Burnley beat Tottenham, which was not as likely as us beating Brighton. And as, yeah. as it turned out, neither happened. So one of my favourite posts on Wacker, and I've, I've, I've ventured into that world, which I should have stayed out of because it's a giant Pandora's box that I've opened and it's just spilling out into every moment of every day. But this guy was like, guys, just let it go. All these scenarios that you're coming up with, like Gerard will be desperate for Liverpool to win the title. It's all ridiculous. And and, and then he, he proceeded to list about 20 different statements and things like He's saying give it a rest, but he's he's the one who's overthought all of this. <laughs> there are so many different things. Like there's such a a crazy amount of narrative to the end to these last few fixtures that you the, the headlines write themselves, no matter how you do it. But if, if let's try and be level-headed in our assessment of where these last few games could go and pick out what, maybe what we think the most likely scenario is at this stage. So we've got two fixtures. We've got Everton at home to Crystal Palace. With the bookies, Everton are a home favourites in that scenario. So how do you see that game going? Do you care? Do you do care? But do you, have, do you know enough about it to have an informed opinion? Nah, I don't care. I, I really don't. I'm all about Villa beating Burnley. Um, I, I liked Everton suffering like you, Paul, but I wasn't excited that they lost I was just happy that Lampard lost um, nah Everton are gone you said it Paul you're always right I like to think uh, Everton are still still in the mix to be honest because the, well, the other thing as well with like the smaller clubs like uh, oh god Brentford uh, Crystal Palace they do have something to play for in terms of positions in the league so if they can shift up and go up a notch then they've got potentially more revenue so I don't know Everton's a, f- a funny one Frank seems to pull it out of the bag when it matters annoyingly this is where, again, there are so many ways you could dress this up. So you can play the on the beach card, but that's been counteracted by the money involved card. So someone said that if Aston Villa finished one place higher, that would pay for two years of Coutinho's wages. And that's a big thing, you know. So, and Gerard is desperate to finish in the top half. But I guess what I'm really concluding is at this stage, you pick a narrative in your mind and you cling to the fact that you think that's the most likely thing. So if you're a pessimist, you're saying, oh, Burnley will be well up for it. They've got the best players seem to be coming back. They only need to get one point and there's no chance that we'll ever beat Brentford because they're going to play the best team. And and that's that's a scenario that people cling to. The scenario that I've been peddling to any Burnley fans that I see is, I just don't see where you're getting another point. Don't see it coming. Because you could go to, like the same people who are saying, oh, Villa have got nothing to play for, won't accept the fact that, so last week when they played Burnley off the pitch at their own ground in front of a partisan home support, are now not going to be able to match that in any way, shape or form. Definitely not going to match that at their home ground on their last home game when they're trying to get into the top half. And it's a night game as well. The fans will be up for it. I mean, I can't see Gerard resting players ahead of the City game to try and win Liverpool the league. But, you know, you might tell them to go a little bit easy, but that seems unrealistic to me. You just got to think that Villa will be fully up for it and just hope and pray they get the result. It's For me, this is the decider. I think if Villa win, then I think we're going to be all right. Oh, because you... I mean, I watched a lot of the Newcastle game last night because uh, 
I wanted to do a bit of scouting for Sunday to make sure that they're... I mean, they were very good. And mm. Arsenal were not. Their bottle has gone, which is why you think oh, Everton are probably home and hosed, really. But, yeah, it feels like this Villa-Burnley game, which is live on Sky now, um, they've picked that up, is absolutely massive. I've put a lot of money oh, on no. a Burnley and a Burnley draw. So I'm either going to... like. I'm not going to be happy with either of those things, but I'm either going to end up with more money than I started with. Not all my money. I mean, in my Skybet account. Or they've lost. You've got to offset your emotional dysfunction somehow. You've got to put price on that. My price was £7.50 on each of those results. <laughs> I was going to win a grand if Leeds got relegated on Sunday. Burnley to beat Spurs and Leeds to lose. Thankfully, that was, a, that was a big one. Did I tell you my one the other week that was £700? I think <laughs> I did. Yeah. You both, you both, you both disgusting pigs. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, I when do. I'm <laughs> wanting it not to work. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Might as well profit out of your misery. That's my yeah. philosophy. Why don't you just throw your money out the window and just hope that we lose then? <laughs> That's the opposite that makes, of what I want to that, do. That makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> talking great talk. James, do you think that Burnley are going to go to Villa Park and get a result? You're an eternal uh, pessimist, so where's where's your mind at? Where's your money? Come on. Villa are What's just your heart so, saying? What's your head saying? Villa are just so odd, aren't they? Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> um, and so there's a there's a lot there's a lot of that, and we could get that. Oh God, I don't know. But you know, the other thing as well is Burnley have played them recently. They know the quality. Um, but even knowing it, can you stop it? If Coutinho plays, he's he's so good. Like he was he was really good against us. And I don't know. I feel I, weirdly. I feel positive about this. I do feel like Villa will probably win the game. And do you think that that then will be enough, or do you think Burnley will? So well, let's roll it on to Sunday. Burnley at home to Newcastle, Arsenal at home to Everton, and Leeds going to London to play a team where we've not won for a million years. So I know a story about the last time we won at Brentford. It was August 1950. It was August the 26th, 1950. My dad was born on the 19th of May, uh, 1951. So I calculated that he was probably, or possibly, conceived the night that we last beat Brentford. <laughs> what do you think about that? I wondered where you go with that story. And I, originally, I was going to say, "Why don't you write a book about it?" But that's a great. That's that is a great story. Good, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know what that means, but um, I like it means, it. means that you've thought about your parents having sex. So, <laughs> oh no, grandparents. grandparents. That's yeah. all right. That's all Even right. worse. <laughs> it was a turkey baster. <laughs> I know. I tell you what, that is what this week is doing to us. That's where we've ended up. If if ever we were renaming, you know, when we used to name episodes, this one would be called Turkey Baster, not Strike's Neck. It would be Pascal, <laughs> Pascal's Neck and the Turkey Baster. Yeah. Pascal's Neck and the Turkey Baster. That's going to draw in a whole new audience. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, previewing Sunday, our game then would like, how do we get a result at Brentford? Funny because you asked how we were going to score a goal again and we couldn't come up with an answer. And the, the answer was that, what Joffy did. Um, so how are we going to get a result? It, I guess the answer is the same. Something in Joffy's magic toes going to conjure up something and, and, and maybe we can defend at the same time. 
otherwise we don't need a result we just need Burnley to lose on the way to work this morning I was thinking about this and I was thinking about Calvin in the World Cup and I thought what a great job he did in the World Cup sorry in the European uh, in the Euros and and it made me think of what a good job he did against Modric and it kind of made me think uh, is that is this the sort of game where you want to put him on Ericsson and just almost like try and get him out of the game and I think that is the key to, to, to trying to beat them. They put everything goes through him. And if we can stop him or even just slow him down, then maybe maybe we're in with a good chance. So, yeah, that's the key for me. Keeping can him you, out and a moment of magic, possibly. Can you message that to our coach? Because there's a chance that he won't be aware of that. <laughs> he, he doesn't even know what the Euros are. I don't, I'm not going to get into Jesse bashing. Until the relegation pod. Because if we're doing one on Monday night or Sunday night or whatever night, I ain't holding anything back. You'll be Jesse bashing if we get if we stay up as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. This this one's taking a weird turn this episode, isn't it? Sorry. I think it's, it's all my fault. Sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you brought all the smut. The visuals are good then as well. Yeah, well, disturbing, but that's why we don't do video podcasts. <laughs> Because he'd give little moments like that and, you know, it triple our viewership. The worst part of all this is my sister listens to this. <laughs> well, we have to have one listener. Yeah, don't know where to go from there. So, all right, well, let's ask the question then. Are we, are we staying up? Yes. Maybe. Well, I'm the positive one, so I'll, like, I'll have to say yes. Even if it's a public, even if it's a public persona. Mm. You know, I'm. It's what I see. Don't actually think it. My character <laughs> believes that we're staying up for all the reasons he has previously stated. As soon as you hang up, you're gonna do like what you did the other week in chat. Oh yeah, definitely going down. I've never said that. You definitely have. I'm screen grabbing it. That's gonna be the image for this episode. <laughs> you just get creative license because you're the editor. <laughs> oh yeah. I think you've taken clips of me saying we're not going down and just kicked out the not bit no it's it's tight the, the, all the scenarios there's too many permutations the, like realistically no one can say with confidence all you can say is that if we play like we did on sunday we'll have a better chance against brentford than we would have done in the previous weeks we'll go there and hopefully you, all you can ask is that they give it everything and where we end up on sunday night will be where we deserve to be across the course of a season. It's pretty tight between our record and Burnley's record. There's enough in there that you could pick out that says we've been unlucky or had moments in a season, but everyone will have those kind of things. But when you look at a home record of only four wins, the lowest ever in our history, if we stay up, it's if we stay up on Sunday, it's nigh on a miracle. And that's yeah. another conversation. So let's see where we end up. Fingers crossed we'll, we stay up. And if we don't, we'll address it. I've got a, uh, I've got a tip for Jesse if he's listening. Um, we need in the second half to have a fake head injury, someone down for like 10 minutes. So then we'll know what we need to do for the last 10 minutes of our game. Good idea that. It is, isn't it? I think he's thought that. Oh, well, I'm worried that Burnley thought that, to be honest. I think you have to be careful though, because my next thought was, like Burnley don't need to worry about faking head injuries. Then I'm sure they'll manage tons of them. Their game management. We're just the worst game managers in the world. But what what's more likely is one of our fans goes and runs on and sits on the pitch and tries to do something for a while. 
it's all nervy. It's all nervy, but like someone said, in five days' time, it'll all be over. It did <laughs> feel a bit. It did feel a bit like that leaving Ellen Road, didn't it? I don't know if you got that. It was just a bit like everyone around you. See you after the summer holidays or summer holidays. You know what I mean? Um, and it just felt a bit like uh, kind of glad it's over in a way. It's because it has been so tough at home. It's been a, a hard watch all season. Yeah, the guy, the guy next to me was the same. Just before we equalised, he just sort of looked at me and he said, well, we'll still be here next season. Yeah. Like, you know, that sort of... And obviously it's true, we've said it before. Unless the world stops going round. That's <laughs> true. Good point. That'd That's be more annoying. To, it would be. Something <laughs> Some things are bigger than football. <laughs> right, well, enjoy the rest of your week if you can manage to do that and we will see you one way or another on the other side of this. Podcast Network.